0: Welcome to hire the smile, the podcast on all things related to human resources in veterinary medicine. Join me Katie Ardeline and my colleague, Mike Pownell as we discuss how to support and take care of the people who are instrumental in making your business a success,
1: great businesses share one common feature. They focus on taking care of their employees. They create businesses where everyone feels empowered and motivated to be the best they can be. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Hire the Smile, where we discuss all things related to human resources in the veterinary field. And as always, every time except maybe one, Katie Arline is with me. Hey, Katie, how are you doing?
0: I'm doing well this morning, Mike. Thank you. How about you?
1: I'm good. I could also rephrase it that I'm with you on this. This is a, a two-person job here. Yeah. Heavy lifting of human resources. This and is a pension
0: shows show is what this is. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yep. Yes. So. There's a headline we're seeing a lot of called "quiet quitting," and so because it's pretty well everywhere you look, we thought we would talk about it a little bit. What say you, Katie? Uh, I guess I don't have a choice, but yes, oh, this yes. is what we discussed. We're, yes. we're talking about this today. <laughs> <laughs> so let's let's focus on quiet quitting. And longtime listeners of this podcast, as I start talking about what it is, you're going to go, "Hmm, this reminds me of something," and mm-hmm. Katie will talk about it. So what is quiet quitting? And so basically, it's this thing that started on TikTok, which is where a lot of things are starting lately. This is our new meme creator. It's not quitting. It's not like leaving a job. It's more about, as this one article from the Human Resources Magazine, again, we'll put links in the podcast notes, it's rejecting the hustle culture, like just work, 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 and I'm just going to work my way to the top of the the hierarchy, um, but instead, just doing your job as described and perceived. It's basically saying no to responsibilities outside of your traditional job description, not replying to emails, phone calls, or collaborative platform messages like Slack outside of work hours, leaving work on time, showing up exactly on time. Just like you're not doing anything that's going above and beyond, you're just basically there, you're doing your job nothing else. Is that a fair description?
0: Yeah. One article I read described it as work to rule, you know, that concept often when civil servants go on strike, say teachers or something and they're working to rule. I kind of always thought, what does that mean? Which is maybe an embarrassing thing to admit being in human resources. But basically if it was a teacher, they would teach their classes, but they wouldn't coach at soccer practice outside of hours or that kind of thing. So thinking of it as work to rule really solidified it for me.
1: So Katie, I have a question for you. Mm. As I was preparing for the podcast, I I thought of something and I'll ask you, have you ever been in a job where you, let's say you, you did it. You, you quite quit.
0: Uh, I would say no, not really. Honestly,
1: you're a better person than me.
0: Yeah. Just thinking back, even back to like the fast food days of my teens, there was always something about it that Kept me going and never was really putting in time per se. Yeah.
1: I thought of one job. It was when I was in university working in the cafeteria, and the manager (laughs) was just a jerk. Yeah. And I showed up, collected my minimum wage, got a free gross meal, and left. (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess I've been lucky, you know, even reaching back to some of my pre career type jobs, I think I've been lucky in that management has been good, or there's been something else that has kept me going. I worked at like a sub shop when I was 15, which was my first real job, 15, 16. And the manager wasn't the best, the owner wasn't the best, but my best friend worked there too. So (laughs) at least made it fun.
1: I was thinking though, as as we're talking, I'm thinking of, I've been on, you know, on board of directors and advisory boards for some organizations in the last, let's say 20 years. Yeah, And I have to admit, there have been times when I've been on conference call meetings where I have totally quiet quit. It's like, this is going nowhere. Why am I here? This is terrible. I don't know if that's the same thing. As we were thinking of this article, I was thinking of this, the ultimate in quiet quitting is, let me just see if I can find it. This was just perfect. And it's an easy Google search. So about 15 years ago, this, let's call him a bureaucrat. I'm not sure exactly where this person worked basically worked in government in Italy, and basically didn't show up for work for 15 years. Mm. Wow, (laughs) it wasn't until he was retiring that they realized (laughs) that he hadn't shown up. And, and so the story goes is that he hadn't showed up and he had a boss, and the boss called him like, you got to start coming to work. And that boss retired. Since he was never there, the new boss had no idea he existed. Oh, my gosh. And so for another 13 years, he just literally did not show up for work. So
0: that is bold. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. They're going to like, what do we put on the cake? Like, what did he do?
1: Who is he? What does he look like?
0: Who do we get to sign the card? Who's this guy? Wow. That's crazy.
1: Yeah. So, Katie, talk to us about what does quiet quitting remind us of?
0: I mean, to me, immediately when I started reading about it, when this started coming up, there are definite links to employee engagement here and disengagement. Right. The one difference I think, and I think it's absolutely valid, is with the pandemic, you'll talk about this a little bit more, but I think it's important here in the context, it has made people reevaluate what's important to them. So quiet quitting is sort of more of an employee or a person-led effort to have more balance in their lives. And we'll talk about other factors about why it could be happening as we go farther along, but it's really, it's disengagement, right. not going above and beyond. You're not necessarily slacking, but you're not going above and beyond. You're not necessarily all that excited to take on extra projects or help somebody else, but means you can't get your own work done. It's that idea of putting in a paycheck, coasting along, and feeling like the employer doesn't care about their overall well-being there are factors that you'll talk about here that that lead into that, but just less emotional investment, less overachieving. It really struck me as like, okay, this is definitely closely related to employee engagement. Yeah. The one thing though is, and part of employee engagement, what makes it a core of employee engagement is, do we have work-life balance in our jobs? Quiet quitting is that effort to restore that work-life balance. So it's sort of More, it's aligned with employee engagement in a number of interesting ways. That's for sure.
1: For sure. Some of the articles we've been reading, why is quiet quitting happening now? One from the BBC basically says, as a result of the pandemic and people being close to burnout, and we have talked before in a previous podcast about burnout, how burnout is very related to the work environment, not necessarily the individual, Mm -hmm. is that people are just doing this to protect themselves. Yeah. Life is so intense right now and I've got to put some boundaries and I can't put boundaries on a lot of other things that are going on but I can put a boundary at work and another uh, article was talking about there's that lack of work life balance like this job is consuming everything and the expectations from management is for me to just do above and beyond and I just I'm not receiving acknowledgments mm-hmm. or all those things And so there's lack of appreciation, career advancement, wage increases. Wages.
0: I think, yeah, wages right now with, uh, sorry to interrupt you, with inflation, even if people are getting paid a a wage, whether it's top of their wage band for their job or they are getting paid very fairly compared to the market, their buying power is much less than it was six
1: months ago,
0: 12 months ago. So that's uh, that's such a, a rubbing stress for companies as well. You may have given a number of discretionary increases during COVID and there's only so much money available for this kind of thing. So the employers are feeling that pinch and you're between a rock and a hard place.
1: Yeah, I can think of it in our own geographic area outside of the city of Toronto. I mean, Toronto was just recently voted one of the top 10 cities in the world to live in, but can you afford to live there? Mm -hmm. And it's just the rent housing prices are just exorbitant. And so, yeah, you can see why people are like, why bother i'm working my ass off and this is the wage i'm getting this is the environment i'm never going to have a house i'm never going to get where i want so who cares Mm -hmm. so i think there's things beyond our control as companies and i know you'll get into that and then i guess the last item too is just purely toxic work environments
0: Yeah. And that's a great segue into what I'm talking about here, which uh, I love that you found this article from the HRPA, the Human Resources Professionals Association, which is my governing body for my HR designation. It's Canadian. So I love that you found this article is, is quiet quitting a response to quiet firing. It's from August 25th of this year. So just in the last week or so really great article and great organization there's a plug basically what this article did it talked a lot about what we've already talked about but then it had some ideas of what employers can do to help mitigate some of these challenges that are happening that are leading to this quiet quitting so one of them which we've talked about is obviously the the work-life balance that lack of work-life balance is is contributing People are trading that hustle culture for healthy boundaries. Recently, there was a LinkedIn survey that found that 33% of workers said they're aiming for a healthier work life balance and they would take a pay cut to achieve it. Uh, There was an Angus Reid poll that said that 76% of Canadians said they want to reprioritize their non work activities. So family, travel, passion projects. People want work to be part of their life, but they don't want it to be all of their life. So as far as what we can do, what the article suggests is giving people support, continuing to build a people-focused culture that respects employees' boundaries and lets people work free of micromanagement and in a way that works for them. Ask questions to ask what work-life balance looks like for the individual and figure out if that's something that you can support. And I think one thing I've learned in the last couple of years is that work-life balance looks totally different for totally different people. You can't just assume that everybody's going to be happy with a blanket effort that you make to go towards work-life balance checking in with people when you're flexible and you're taking people's needs into account people feel trusted and heard and it helps with that engagement it helps them just be more satisfied there are a number of things that we can do to address work-life balance in the veterinary industry in particular it's something that's such so much at the forefront right now is how can we accommodate people and I think we have to think a little bit outside the box and sort of Remember that it's not good enough to expect that your reception staff is going to sit in the office all day. Like, what what would work for them? Could you do something with technology so they could work from home one day a week? Like, what can we do to make this work? Uh, and I think we have to really consider that what got us here isn't going to necessarily get us through the next fifty years.
1: We're talking about why starting, and I'm just wondering, would this have happened without the pandemic? Unlikely, because I think what's happened is as our countries or societies have opened up pretty well, almost to where they were before. That's one of the things we can talk about quiet quitting is that many of us are in the fortunate position that we're able to work from home. Our travel was curtailed. We got off the hustle bandwagon and we liked it. Mm -hmm. And now that we're getting back onto it again, we're like, wait a minute, this doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. It was just a thought that I had. There's a lot of people that quiet quitting in spite of what I just said, there's a lot of people and a lot of jobs you need to perform at a high level just sort of hit me like, yeah, this is sort of like we got a taste of what the other side is like, and we like it and I'm not going back. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And alignment with, this is one of those examples too, uh, where of a burnout type situation, where, well, my values have shifted and my values are that I don't have to drive in five days a week or six days a week or whatever. And, but I'm being mandated to come back to the office and there's a rub there. Right. So yeah, that's definitely something that's at people's for, for sure. People who are like, oh, I could never work from home all of a sudden, they're like, I like this, you know, stretchy pants life that I'm living now, not speaking from experience. Really. <laughs> <laughs> so the second factor is our good friend burnout. Earlier in 2022, there was a study that was done that found that one third of Canadians were experiencing burnout uh, with healthcare workers well above that nurses at 66%. And I think, you know, this is something that's been in the news, nurses, any sort of first responder type people, essential worker type people who didn't have a choice, you have to come to work, you can't do nursing from home, they found just such higher levels of burnout. And obviously, there are negative health consequences, even if you love your job. And you know, such a parallel with veterinarians, quiet quitting can help employees regain their health, recharge and more easily detach at the end of the day. What the article suggests here is to make sure people take time off and to make sure that there isn't vacation shaming going on. And that's a hard balance because we're sort of understaffed right now. So when anybody takes a day off, even if it's a vacation day, it affects other people. We just have to be really careful about how we talk about time off. The article didn't go into the other factors of burnout that we've talked about, you know, Christina Mozlocks. Six factors of burnout, so workload, perceived lack of control, reward, community, fairness, and a values mismatch. But thinking about how you are doing in relation to all of those factors, definitely something to think about. Uh, So another factor is lack of appreciation, career advancement, and lack of wage increases. So this was an interesting stat Uh, 65% of Canadians are seriously thinking of leaving their job due to compensation, declining job satisfaction, and overall well being. 65% 65% is a lot. Lower wages are demoralizing with the economy. and Inflation, we've talked about that. You just don't have the buying power that you had even a year ago. So suggestions, uh, we've talked about it before here. Pay the workforce fairly. Uh, make sure there's internal equity. So people within your company are getting paid fairly in relation to each other and external equity. So you know how are they getting paid in relation to the market? Making sure that you're on top of this. And I think a huge one, we always talk about transparency, make sure you're talking to employees about wages, whether you can afford to give raises or not, uh, maybe it's going to be less than expected, make sure that you're just being transparent about what's happening. There's nothing worse as an employee than just sort of wondering, well, I don't know, it's been like, six years since I had a raise, like, are we doing this? Or what's happening? That's just not good enough anymore. And if you've coasted by with that for the last five years, consider yourself lucky, it just it's not going to keep flying. Uh, And I think on the career advancement side too, just making sure that you're prioritizing discussions about continuing education. It's hard to fit that in right now with fewer staff, but especially for the non-veterinary positions, we have to make sure that we're fulfilling people's needs to to grow, whether they're going to grow and leave because they've moved on to something bigger and better, or they want to grow to be able to put back into the company and be able to be more engaged. We have to to remember to think about that. And I think a lot of that auxiliary stuff fell by the wayside during COVID, which is totally fair, but we have to sort of say, okay, we have to regroup here and see how we can move forward. That's all we can do is move forward. We can't change what happened before. Uh, So the last factor is toxic work environments. And Mike, you already talked about it a bit when you talked about how, you know people are realizing that working from home is great, but toxic leadership, poor employee collegiality, and people no longer aligned with corporate policy. People just don't want to be aligned with a company that doesn't prioritize their well-being anymore. For really good reason. So, as far as ways to address it, establish or re-establish your core values or and standards of behavior. And as a leader, you just have to always be sure that you are, walking the talk in this area. Think about what am I going to say? Is this thing that's going to come out of my mouth? Is this something that's in line with our core values? We've talked before about how it you can undo like 10 positive experiences with one negative experience. Or it takes, you know, 10 positive experiences to rebuild trust after one hit to trust. So think about like what am I saying here? And is this really what i what I mean? And does this align with our core values? Especially when you're onboarding new staff. They may have come from a toxic environment, doing a multitude of hiring for companies all over the place. You hear so many stories of people, you know, when you ask why they're leaving, they're like, oh, it's a toxic work environment. My boss was rude. My boss yelled at us. There were cliques. People didn't get along. So just being very clear up front of what standards of behavior are and making sure that you're following up on them and having conversations when you need to, if people aren't following them. And then just overall, just addressing issues within your practice. Don't let things fester. Everybody knows that things are are going wrong, and the longer you leave them, the worse it gets. So addressing those toxic work environments.
1: That reminds me of an article I came out in the last week or so of the first veterinary privately-owned practice, not corporate-owned, but the first privately-owned practice unionized just outside of Buffalo, New York. Wow. And it was interesting because they were talking about why. And they said that we went to management, there are concerns, and initially they're responsive. But then, for whatever reason, you know, there's two sides to every story. The previously, unless they sustainable workload returned, mm-hmm. and management just wouldn't listen, and so voila, they're now wow. unionized. And you know, we can have a that's probably another discussion on unions pro con. What's the story? Mm-hmm. But as a manager, or even within a practice, once you have a union, a lot of flexibility is gone. So. It yep. probably wasn't the outcome that the practice owners expected.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So a question for you, before we cut to our break, I have a question for you, Katie. And that is, do you think quiet quitting is, is it going to be a 2022 phenomenon or do you see it more long-term or long-lasting?
0: Uh, I think it's long-lasting.
1: Yeah.
0: I think that this is a change to the zeitgeist uh, or you know, how people think about work.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I think it's all very valid and people should have boundaries and we should have realistic expectations. This is sort of just the way of the world. A lot of this sort of stuff has been festering for the last few years. And I think just post COVID, uh, it's really just all really come to the fore. So yeah, I think it's it's here to stay.
1: I think it's going to get worse.
0: Yeah. Whether the buzzword stays around or not, I think engagement in general is something that we really have to pay attention to.
1: Yeah. I think it's going to get worse. You know, You're starting to see with High inflationary pressures, uh, warnings of recessions. That a lot of companies are starting to lay off people. Not necessarily in the vet field, but they're laying off people. People may be like, you know, what? I can't necessarily move to a better paying job, or you know, I'm not as maybe as mobile as I was earlier this year or last year, for example. So I'm just going to have to stick out in this job until things change. But it doesn't mean I'm going to have to do a great job. And I'm just going to do what I need to do.
0: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, if you're in a market where here, say in southern Ontario, we're close to Toronto, which is you know huge population. But you drive an hour away, and you're in the country, and there could be limited opportunities for employment. So well, you're there, and it's like, well, I'm stuck here, but I'm just going to put in time, and uh, we want to avoid that, obviously.
1: Let's take a break, and we'll come back. Let's uh, answer our reader's question.
0: Do you sense that there's something not quite right with your company's culture? Is your team functioning below its potential with formerly enthusiastic staff now doing the bare minimum? Do you wish you could get an honest report card on your practice's culture and the impression you are making as an owner or a manager? It can be difficult to take action when you don't know what's wrong. If we don't address issues and challenges, we risk losing even our most dedicated and loyal staff. We don't always have a reliable way to get honest feedback on how people feel about the company or even on our own performance as owners or managers. This is where the Oculus Employee Engagement Survey comes in. Employee engagement is defined as the degree to which employees are willing to go above and beyond to ensure their teammates and clients are taken care of, and it also measures the level of commitment that they have to your organization. Highly engaged workforces contribute positively to the bottom line in a number of ways, including higher productivity, fewer mistakes, and better client care, just to name a few. The employee engagement survey itself is a series of 33 questions based on the key dimensions of employee engagement with areas for comments from staff. The survey itself is a series of 33 confidential questions based on the key dimensions of employee engagement with an area for comments from your staff. We also conduct optional one-on-one interviews with experienced Oculus professionals to gain more context and insight. Nothing specific is shared. Staff can rest assured that there's no feedback that they're going to share that will come back to haunt them in the future. We produce a final report with reasonable, actionable recommendations. And having conducted dozens of employee engagement surveys, we are the only company able to provide vet industry-specific benchmarking data so practices can see how they stack up against other vet practices worldwide. We found that after conducting an employee engagement survey, practices know exactly where they stand with their staff and are able to make transparent, meaningful changes that result in a more engaged workforce. Owners appreciate the insights into how their actions and the company culture are affecting their team some even conduct surveys on a regular basis to see how they've been progressing and to de- detect any brewing issues before they become significant to learn more about the oculus employee engagement survey package head over to our website oculusinsights.ca send us an email at info at oculusinsights.net or reach out on facebook instagram or linkedin mention that you're a hire the smile listener to receive a special discount on your own employee engagement survey
1: All right, Katie, we're back. So you have a fascinating reader's question. Why don't you uh, read it out? And I know you've got a lot of thoughts on it.
0: Always lots of thoughts. Okay. So the question is, hi, Mike and Katie, you often talk about how core values should be front and center of an organization and how they need to be more than just words on paper. About five years ago, we asked our staff to help us create core values for our small animal practice. And at the time, we had great participation from everyone and a lot of engagement in the meeting. For the first couple of years, the core values were something that we talked about now and again, and they seemed relevant. However, with the usual turnover of staff and time passing, they've sort of retreated back to something that we go over on someone's first day, but then are relegated to the plaque on the wall where the relevance is limited. Do you have any suggestions on how we can resurrect the value of our values and make them more relevant to our day-to-day work lives? Love this question. Yeah. Yeah. So I think number one, I love that initially you had your staff helping you put them together. That's what we always say is the way to put together core values is to engage the staff and have them help. But maybe it's time for a refresh, you know, maybe sitting down and saying, are these still relevant? You know, lots has happened in the last five years. So maybe there's something that we need to change. But even talking about them in that way is something that'll help them come back to the forefront. Other ideas, use them in hiring. So when you are putting together your questions, when you're thinking about putting your hiring process together, make sure a lot of your questions are aligned with your core values. So aside from can you place a catheter is how do you work in a group, assess things that show or disprove that this person's going to be aligned with your core values. It's such a huge thing that we forget about. And I think talking about them, even when you're interviewing people saying, yeah, we have core values, and they're very important to us. And this is what they are. A big one is to link them to your everyday decision making process. So if you're adding a new service, you're making decisions about protocols, you maybe you're making decisions about staffing, if you're including your staff in making decisions, which you should be for the most part, talk about, hey, what we have these three options, which of these is closest to our core values or most aligned to our core values so that people see that, yeah, we're actually acting by these. They're not just something on the wall that certain people are exempt from. The owner wants to do something. We're just going to push it through and do it. No, no. We have to make sure that it's aligned with the core values and everybody's on board.
1: I like that point because I think that's one of the ways in our own practice that we demonstrate core values is because when we're thinking out loud and then the question is, how does this align to our values? And then you go through your values and then everybody's like, this stuff's important.
0: Totally. Well, and it builds that trust too. People aren't mistrustful of, you know, maybe there is a, a decision that was made and it's confidential or what, for whatever reason, everybody couldn't be involved in the decision-making. It helps people see or helps people know, okay, well, I'm still confident. And I trust that the decision was in the best interest of us and the company, because I know that we always make decisions based on our core values. So it's something that can build that precious trust in an organization. Huge, huge, huge. Are they part of your reviews right now? Do you bring them up when you do performance management whether in your yearly review, uh, you should be evaluating people based on how they're living the core values. But also, if you need to have a discussion with somebody about performance, are you bringing up the core values? You know, I I know earlier in my career, it was always such a pickle to figure out, how can I talk to this person? It's easy to say, okay, well, you're not booking an appointment properly, but how do I tell somebody that the way that they're acting as part of a team isn't appropriate? And the core values give you that magical... Accountability tool where you can say, Hey, I'm bringing this up, and it seems like this is in contravention of our core values. And we just can't, the core values feed into the culture, and it's damaging to the culture when you're not in alignment with the core values. On the flip side, making sure that you're, and we don't do this enough when we're recognizing staff, recognizing what they did, and linking that to the core values as well. You know, I know in your practice at the Key Panel, you have a gold star program every month or so people contribute suggestions to the gold star jar and you know you ask people to align those with core values could be Karen did a really good job stepping up learning how to put together employee training online that could be push it which i know is one of the key panel core values so making sure that you're really linking it so it's something that's it comes to mind for people when they're thinking about both positive and negative feedback or constructive feedback.
1: Another way you're making it part of the workplace vocabulary.
0: Yes, yeah, exactly. And a lovely segue to that comment is you could think about putting together a core values guidebook. When you have somebody new starting, you could have uh, ask for people to give you ideas of what does this core value look like in action, and it could be something really specific that's happened at the company. Under one of your core values is flexibility and adaptability. Having examples, real life examples that are relevant to your clinic and relevant to your people of what what does that actually look like? Who did this and when, and, and what was the outcome? So that they really come alive. But at the end of the day, which we always harp on when we talk about leadership, making sure that you as the leader are you have to be impeccably tied to those core values and making sure that you're you're leading by example. You know that doesn't mean that you can't vent to somebody that you trust, but never in front of staff. It has to be a partner and maybe a manager, and say, "Hey, I just need to vent." But you have to be on point all the time with the core values because your staff are are watching, and they, especially if you are in an environment where you've been doing a really good job making decisions aligned with values, and then all of a sudden you do something way out of left field, how are you going to explain that to people? And if you don't explain it to people well, they're going to say, "Well, I guess these core values aren't actually." they don't actually mean it. So stepping off my soapbox, hopefully that gives some good ideas. Do you have any other thoughts, Mike?
1: No, I just think it's your values need to be mentioned every day in some context. It's a muscle you develop. It's a habit that uh, becomes familiar. That's the only way, because I think if, as you said at the very beginning, if it's just something that's written on the wall, it's easily forgotten. So it has to be actionable. Everything has to be an action and there has to be consequences too. Yeah. When the values aren't fulfilled, and I think we see this a lot in HR, is when somebody is just really that cultural mismatch because of values, the values have to supersede all. And so this person may be an absolute star performer in some ways, but if they're demoralizing the team, contributing to the workplace, contributing to the quiet quitting we've just been talking about, well, you don't want to sacrifice the, the group
0: mm-hmm. to
1: appease one person.
0: I do always, you know, my joke is core values have to be more than just something that you read on the way to the bathroom that are hanging on the wall. That being said, I think they do need to be posted uh, so that people, they're in front of people's eyes. I mean, if they're only in your guidebook or in your employee handbook, people are going to see that once, maybe twice. They're not going to seek it out. But if it's something that they sort of see, maybe it's on the microwave. So when they're heating up their food, they have to look at it for a minute or, or thinking about places like that. I wouldn't advise maybe putting it on the back of the bathroom stall that gives the wrong impression, but putting it places where people could see it, you know, little cards at at workstations, just um, making sure that it's it's something that people read and they absorb.
1: Wonderful. Thank you. So if anybody has a question about HR in general or a situation in their own practice, we will for sure anonymize it. You can uh, email us at info at oculusinsights.net or message us on Facebook or Instagram. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Hire the Smile, brought to you by Oculus Insights. Our goal at Oculus is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success. You can see what we are up to by checking us out on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, and our website, oculusinsights.net. If you think you could use a business advisor or performance coach, go to advicebyoculus.com. See you next time.